Welcome to New Kids on the Block, a podcast for newcomers who want to explore blockchains and cryptocurrencies. On this show, we discuss and dissect all things crypto for beginners and intermediate users and help them navigate their way through this fascinating yet overwhelming new space. Let's dive right in. You cannot affect me in my sleep. You got a friend in New Kids on the Block. You got a friend in New Kids on the Block. When the road looks rough ahead and you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed. Just remember what your old pal said, baby. You got a friend in New Kids on the Block. Welcome back, everyone, to a new episode of the New Kids on the Block podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Fody Philocorus. How are you guys doing tonight? Joined by my esteemed colleague, Yidu. Yidu, how are you doing tonight? I'm feeling great. That was a great intro for a very special episode tonight, and I cannot wait to get, get going with it. I hope people get the reference down the line because, you know, I put a lot of effort into that. I, I don't I don't sing for no reason. You know, so. um, it's a special occasion. Special occasion. Yeah, you do. Um, we're joined um, by um, a very special guest tonight. Uh, maybe good opportunity to introduce Andy. Andy, how are you doing tonight? Doing all right. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Um, you are known uh, only by uh, the most amazing name, uh, Brisket Rib, out there. How do you, how do you come up with that? Is that like a long kind of inside joke, or what's the uh, what's the relevance behind the Brisket Rib? Yeah, it, it is a little bit of an inside joke. Um, it's actually based on when uh, Mark Zuckerberg was demoing live streams with Facebook. Um, he was sitting there uh, smoking. He said smoking some meats about 500 times, and uh, he repeatedly said brisket and ribs and smoking meats, and that's kind of where it came from. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, so the good old Zucker, uh, Zuckerberg, that rain man, um, great name, uh, and very uh, uh, pleased to have you on the show tonight. Thank you for your time. Um, I think you know, what everyone wants to kind of talk about if we kind of just jump into it this week is what the heck's going on in the market. Um, we've obviously had about uh, roughly a 10 to 15% pullback um, across the market, except for, you know, some shitty coins that are out there and, um, you know, some, some DeFi protocols. Um, just curious to kind of hear what you guys are thinking out there um, and what's, what's going on in the market this week. Uh, you do uh should we be alarmed? Is the is the house on fire? No, I think I think this is like a typical, in my opinion, kind of a, uh, a what I call a, like a mini crash in the middle of a bull market. Um, and I'm certainly looking forward to to hear from Andy's opinion. But in my opinion, uh, I think we're still in good shape from the overall health of the market. Um, you know, I think we're seeing about fifty six k probably today for Bitcoin and ETH. Uh, it's at around four k. Um, if you look at the charts, you know, the overall structure has not really broken and, uh, you know, I'm not too concerned, you know, if you're holding spots, you know, I wouldn't be concerned if you're on, on, on margin, you have a margin trading right now, I would be a little bit more careful not to do that. Um, but overall I'm not too concerned. Uh, what do you think, Andy? Yeah, absolutely. And a little bit of background is that, um, I've been in the crypto space for, uh, what is it? since 2011, so basically 10 years now, and have been through several boom and bust cycles with Bitcoin specifically. And to me, this is just sort of a pullback. You never know when a pullback turns into a bigger crash. Um, I'm Again, I'm more of an investor and less of a technical analyst um, or a trader. So, but, but I do look at a little bit um, as a possible double top uh, based on the last time we were up at 65K. Um, it's a possibility. Um, in the long run, I'm a big time bull on both um, Bitcoin and Ethereum. Yeah, and you just described about uh, 95% of the people that uh, that actually listen to this podcast. So <laughs> uh, I think I think the technical analysis is a little bit uh, of a challenging concept for some folks to understand, um, especially when it comes to this this kind of stuff. And I did like the uh, the hashtag humble brag. Been in the game for for a while, so. Um, I think um, the daily chart, I guess, on what we've been seeing for Ethereum 
um, uh, kind of a bit oversold. The RSI is very low, I think under 40. Um, so expecting that to dip some more. Um, but we are seeing some kind of like interesting other um, coins out there that are doing quite well. Specifically, I know you do one of your favorites in, uh, in Avalanche or Avalanche. Um, kind of been booming a little bit. I think it broke over 100. It's hovering around there. Let's now. go, Avax. Yeah, Avax clan. Um, can you kind of tell me why that is while the market is kind of fluttering a bit? We're seeing Avax still, you know, pushing through. Yeah, absolutely. I think from my perspective, I'm like a very much like a user driven. I love like a good user experience. And for me personally, I'm really enjoying the whole Avalanche, Avalanche experience, right? When it comes to not only the, the the lower, much lower gas fee compared to Ethereum network, uh, as well as the, you know, the various um, tools available on Avalanche chain, whether it's like Trader Joe or uh, I think Wonderland and also a bunch of other um um, you know, landing like you have Ave uh, as well as Curve on Avalanche now. So all of these like major players are really um, kind of entering the Avalanche chain and offering different types of services to the users. So for me personally, I'm really enjoying that. And adding on top of that, all the liquidity uh, mining rewards that have been given out as part of the Joe Rush or the Avalanche uh, reward program has been very rewarding for the users. So a very slick user experience uh, in combination with financial incentives make Avalanche uh, one of the, I would say, the marquee um, public chains right now in the space. Yeah, I guess DeFi is kind of pushing that along, right? Um, Andy, what are your thoughts on uh, on Avalanche? Are you kind of invested there and long-term view yep. on that platform? Yeah, I opened up a relatively higher conviction position in Avalanche a little while back, um, closer to $60. And um, I think the reason that it's going up right now is is partly to do with the, si with the size of the network in terms of market cap. It's currently at a 22 billion market cap. And if you look at the top coins, um, you have quite a few coins that are much higher that do not have much traction or DeFi action actually happening on them yet. For example, um, Cardano would be a big one that stands out. Um, Polkadot is just getting started. I'm not saying these are vaporware. And then you have two, two of the um, dog coins above it. So Avalanche in that sense is valued much less than, than um, what the activity and the deployments of blue chip DeFi applications and so on would actually deserve. Yeah, be careful talking about Cardano around you because uh, that's, a, that's a very touchy subject. He doesn't like the fact that I invested in Cardano and he doesn't like the fact that it's a platform that no one uses. Um, but a DEX is coming, you do. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to I don't want to overtake this with uh, Cardano. Just just to be yeah, clear. I, I, yeah, yeah. Well, I might be a hater, but I'm, I'm also like an investor in Cardano myself. Uh, I have like a very, very small, small uh, position in it. Um, but to me, you know, I, I'm like a profit maximalist. I don't, you, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I'm, I'm just like favoring. I'm just, you know, spraying my bets all over the place, you know, hoping something will, will hit. Um, but if you compare the ecosystem of Cardano with uh, whether uh, Avalanche or even Terra Luna or even like a Polkadot, it's lagging behind. And that's that's taking into consideration the fact that Cardano has been around much longer than the than these other chains. So again, not a hater. I'm just speaking the facts. You're such a hater. And uh, you're a profit maximalist. They call me an ape because <laughs> that's what I do. I ape into things. Um, <laughs> we, we talked a little bit about um, Avalanche. I think um, we see we saw Solana kind of um, take a step back. Uh, my Polkadot position is, is bleeding as well. Uh, we talked about Luna a little bit. Um, you know, I guess there's, there's kind of a... Uh, I, don't, I don't know the best way to put it. I guess it would be a little bit of a, of a battle for who can eat up as much of, uh, you know, the Ethereum use cases as possible out there. Um, I think, you know, Solana is probably next in line, but just kind of, you know, as, as we look forward to the remainder of the bull run, if, if it is, if the bull run does continue, uh, which I think a lot of analysts and people do expect. Um, what are we expecting, I guess, or, you know, bold predictions from you guys on, on which one of those kind of projects is going to see the biggest gains 
um, hypothetically, non-financial advice wise. Maybe Andy, you want to, you know, bless us with, sure. uh, with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one thing that really I use as a guiding force all the time is to look at the, the market caps. And that includes the entire global market cap of crypto. And the entire global market cap is currently 2.51 trillion. And that's about the size of a single one of the top uh, publicly traded tech companies. So I think that um, for the entire crypto market to reach 10 trillion is not it, that's not difficult at all from where we are. And I think actually like 50 to, you know, 50 trillion plus is definitely in the cards um, over the next five years or so. I'm not, again, that's not a price prediction, but it's, it's just like, right. a, um, like sort of a, I think that's in the realm of possibility. And I think like, uh, you know, th there was a time when Bitcoin was, was valued at 1 billion and Uber was valued at 50 billion. And I looked at that and I thought, there's no way that Bitcoin is worth that much less than Uber. So, so either right, Uber is way overvalued. Right? Yeah. 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 So I, I look at it similar now where like the entire crypto market is 2.51 trillion. And I, I haven't checked today, but I know Apple, Apple alone is worth around that amount. Um, so then as far as like which specific tokens would go up the most, um, I think Ethereum. So I, I put out a video about a multi-chain future, and I, I do think that that is, that is a, that's the reality of what's happening now, and I think that will continue. But I also think that the, um, there will be a long-tail distribution of market share. So it, it won't be completely winner-takes-all, but it'll be a few big chains and then a bunch of other small chains. And I think... Um, Ethereum is probably moving fast enough that they're not going to be flipped in terms of um, smart contracts. It is possible. I'm not a maximalist, but I think that they are moving fast enough. I think that Avalanche, Solana, um, what else? Yeah, a few of these other chains that actually have traction with DeFi apps, I think will probably go up significantly, especially the ones that to me seem relatively undervalued like Avalanche. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think everyone's problem with Ethereum. Um, I, I mentioned it on the, I don't know if it was a pod or a pod ago uh, or two pods ago, but uh, I've been on both sides of getting burned uh, with Ethereum, um, whether it's gas fees or gas wars or, you know, paying a couple thousand bucks just to cancel my transaction so I can initiate another one. I think, you know, the the whole Ethereum framework itself is just begging for, you know, the 2.0 or layer two solutions, right? Um, but, you know, people are still bullish on it. I think me and you do are still bullish on it. Um, yeah, absolutely. And the fee, I would totally agree. The fees are ridiculous and the user experience, unless you're slinging around like a hundred thousand or more of US dollars, um, the fees are absolutely ridiculous and the user experience just sucks right now, but I'm still extremely bullish largely due to the merge and the Ethereum 2.0, as well as the, um, EIP 1559 that went through recently. So it's actually deflationary forces on the token supply. And then, um, there's a lot of mind share and developer share behind it. And that's one of the real reasons I'm super bullish in the long run, um, because we already have. Um, two major optimistic roll-ups, which would be Optimis Optimism and Arbitrum. And then we have um, ZK Sync and then uh, a few different ZK roll-up chains coming. And these are all kind of like each one of those is equivalent to like a Polygon or Phantom or an Avalanche C chain. Um, each one of those is. So Ethereum is already scaling horizontally. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just to jump in there, I think that point is very important, right? So we are we're talking about these alternative, you know, layer one chains uh, that could potentially be Ethereum killer, whether it's Solana, um, Avalanche, or Terra Luna, etc. But if you think about all these layer two solutions that's coming, that that's either they're already online or coming down the pipe very soon, once they're fully fully fledged I, I don't think layer these um these gas issues is going to be a problem anymore and all of these like layer one solutions are going to be really killed in my opinion right they're the they're the ones who claim to are going to kill ethereum but unfortunately from in my opinion um right now they're just shoring up the the ethereum um 
mode in a way, especially for those EVM compatible uh, layer one chains. Uh, but once you know Ethereum solves the problem with the gas fees, with the usability of the chain, um, I see it's going to be very difficult for these chains, these other chains, to compete with Ethereum. Yeah, I'd love to see um, and hear about eventually. It doesn't have to be tonight, but um, ICP is like a really interesting project out there, right? The Internet Computer, um, looking to solve a lot of kind of these cross-chain problems. I think, you know, with the explosion of that genius Zuckerberg over there with his wonderful invention of the metaverse, uh, I think like the, the the number of use cases that are coming out there are um, really infinite, right? A- across uh, you know, blockchain um, layered solutions, whether it's, you know, we're talking about, you know, gaming and NFT creation and smart contracts, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, there's going to be a need to communicate across those different chains. And that's a, that's a project that I'm interested in. But you do, I'm not going to let you off the hook, man. I mean, come on. You know, we talked about Avalanche, Solana, Polkadot, Luna, you know, mm-hmm. Terra Luna. You know, what, what do you think? Which one? So okay, so here's my my bet for the year. I've I've went really heavy uh, or heavyweight on Avalanche earlier in the year. Oh, actually, let me back up. So actually, I went pretty heavy on Solana uh, in the first three months, six the first six months of the year, and um, I later I I you know I sold my Solana and I, I went into Avalanche. Uh, got a pretty gain out of Solana, but I just feel like Avalanche has a more vibrant uh, ecosystem um, compared to these other competitors. And if you look at the, the TVL, um, looking at the DeFi Llama right now, uh, it already caught up with Terra and it's it's almost closing in on Solana um, in terms of the TVL. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but I think Avalanche is going to do really well this year. And I wouldn't be surprised if it overtakes Solana by the end of the year in terms of the, the TVL. Yeah, I think uh, I, I get what you guys are putting down. You know, we, no one has said anything about Shiba Inu, so already I feel pretty good about the podcast. Um, for, I think, yeah, go ahead, you do. Yeah. I was going to say for, for Andy's sake that um, I think Fodi might might have been a Shiba Inu, not a maximalist, but enthusiast in the past. So that's why he's a little bit disappointed that I didn't get the mention. Yeah, yeah. Let him think worse of me, please. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been allergic to dog coins, but basically, um, I've started to realize that I need to start looking at dog coin white papers as they come out because, because basically, the the idea is it's a meme coin, but that doesn't mean necessarily that there's no other substance behind it. Um, and even I would, I would grant that even a meme coin could eventually become something and I'm a, I would look at Olympus Dow a little bit like that too like I could be it looks like Ponzi like to me but I could be wrong about that but I definitely am starting to um, change my mindset around dog coins to where I'll actually be open to reading their their white papers because somebody really smart might build some kind of really awesome legitimate DeFi project that adds value to the market and then wrap it in a meme. And I think that the combination of meme plus legitimacy could be really powerful. Yeah, shout out to Hedge wow. Finance and Windoge out there. Um, some of my uh, some of my new uh, poopy coins that I've been uh, that I've been following. Uh, and I think a Cat Moon Girl is another one that's exploding today. Uh, again, we're recording this uh, Thursday, November eighteenth, uh, one week before Black Friday. That the bottom, which was uh, I think. One of the, you know, Black Black Friday always seems to be a, a day that uh, the market bleeds. So hopefully by next week we're in a better place. But um, let's take the uh, the conversation into kind of another little path. I think we're, we're talking about Avalanche and, you know, Trader Joe and some of the some of the DeFi. I think that's really propping up, um, especially in, in a down market. When we see like a little bit of a bearish divergence for in, or a little bit of a pullback on some of these major coins, I think people are very happy to take what they had, especially in a market that they expect to continue to go back up and say, okay, I'm going to take my money and actually just stake it for a period of time while the market's a little volatile. And that kind of kind of leads us into into DeFi 2.0. You, what is all this DeFi 2.0 stuff and why should people care about it? 
Yeah, I think uh, Andy already alluded to uh, one of the, I would say, the, the key DeFi 2.0 projects of the year uh, being Olympus DAO. Um, obviously, that's one of the the most con- controversial slash uh, interesting projects of the year. Um, personally, I'm still educating myself, um, to be honest. I, I don't think I've fully developed my own thesis on it yet. And whether it's a, a, a what they call Ponzi-nomics or not, uh, that's to be determined. But personally, I'm just very excited about the overall uh, prospect of DeFi 2.0. Um, you know, I guess I, I do want to get Andy's opinion on this. Like, what is your overall um, uh, take on the, the the prospect of DeFi 2.0? What what is well? I guess the first question is, what is DeFi 2.0? And second question is, uh, how do you think it will develop? Um, you know, morph into for the second half of this bull market. Yeah, very good question. Um, DeFi two, DeFi two is um, if if you ask me what it is, this I, I'm definitely not one to define it, and I haven't even looked up what the definition is exactly. But the way I look at it is, we had we had this um, emergence of DeFi um, between really between the 2017 bubble and 20 and 2020, and then. We, we ended up with these DeFi blue chips like Aave, Maker, Compound, and all the rest, Yearn Finance. And D, uh, DeFi 2.0 to me looks like a new, a new generation of um, disruptive projects that are taking those blue chip ideas, iterating on them, and then challenging the incumbents. So the biggest example, um, and I totally missed the boat on this one for really personal reasons. I was working on it construction project while our group discovered it. But um, yeah, Abracadabra Finance, I think, is probably the prime example of of an emerging, uh, their DeFi 2.0 disrupting. Is that the spell token? Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think the biggest thing about that is is the replacement of of, um, makers die as the the most widespread decentralized stablecoin. I don't know if MIM Magic Internet Money has flipped DAI yet, but they've definitely established themselves in the multi-chain uh, context. And I think that Abracadabra is moving so much faster than Maker that I think they may have actually bodied Maker. But then you have some others like um, uh, Ave, um, and then uh, yeah, Ave is a little bit of a competitor with Abracadabra, and Ave is a DeFi 1.0 incumbent, but they're moving. I just did an entire um, deep dive on Ave version three, and I was really impressed with what they were doing there. So yeah, I, that's interesting, right? Like I feel I feel like when you talk about like a like a lending protocol, um, like Ave, you know, traditionally it's on Ethereum chain, but right now it's, it's spread all, all, all over the place, uh, which is a great thing. And um, how do you think a protocol, like an established protocol, Aave, can come into these various chain and compete with the kind of the native uh, lending protocol on, on each various chains? Right. Uh, I, I think the biggest challenge for Aave is the fact that they don't have their own stable coin. I think that's actually going to be a potential um, setback for them because um, basically... If you think of um, Maker Die and Magic Internet Money, these things are minted and they're they're backed by the collateral that's locked in the protocol. And then right. the idea with Abracadabra was that you have productive protocol, so you can you can lock up things like X Sushi. And on that end, Ave is really being competitive because they have introduced many new um, productive asset types, and they also have with the new Ave version three contracts, they're actually delegating um, in, in multiple different ways. They're delegating the decision of, of bringing new tokens into the system. And then they're also isolating the risk of those tokens so they can be more rap, uh, agile and bringing new assets on as collateral. But I, I think the thing is when you, when you borrow on Ave, you have, you're limited to borrowing what somebody else is lending out. Whereas on, Abracadabra or Maker, um, the only limit is the value of your collateral. 
and there effectively can be infinite um, mim and infinite die minted against that collateral, as, as assuming that the collateral price goes up. Right, right. So that would be like a risk uh, for the protocol, since they are not those loans on Abracadabra are not really backed any by anything. Is that is that correct? It is. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely a risk because you could potentially lose the peg. Uh, the, they are following a fairly proven model. Uh, make or die, um, I believe, you'd have to double check this, but I believe it performed really well in March of 2020 when we had that um, major sort of flat, flash crash of all assets. Um, mm -hmm. I believe die did pretty well. So I'm not so worried about MIM losing peg based on collateral, but they are taking much more collateral risk by having more exotic types of collateral for one thing. So that can be a lot more volatile and you're also, the protocol is also exposed significantly more to smart contract risk. Absolutely. Yeah. I think personally, I'm also very interested in a lot of like these uh, algor algorithm um, stable coins. Um, I think we've had, was it Faye uh, that came out a few months ago? Uh, which turned out to be a bit of a mess in terms of the the implementation, um, but yeah, I mean, what what is your thoughts on the the, the algo stable coins? So, it, there seems to be something about algo stable coins that causes them to fail. Like it seems to be very hard to have a successful algo stable coin. Um, so anytime one comes across, I'm just kind of this is a bias. That's one thing I'm working on as an investor is to like recognize and try to remove the biases I have, like I mentioned before with the dog coins. Um, but I have a similar bias with algo stables. I've just seen so many of them lose peg and fail that when a new algo stable comes across, I don't even dive mm -hmm. in that deep. Yeah. But I probably should, and I should try to really understand why exactly they're failing because there might be a project that comes along and actually pulls it off. And when you say lose peg, I guess just for, just for, you know, asking for a friend, um, because I am just as smart as you guys, I promise. Um, what do you mean exactly by that? Yeah. So, so basically, um, one of the biggest, uh, value propositions of a stable coin is that it, um, it gives you a way to hedge against downward price movement of volatile assets in us dollar terms because when we say stable coin we're generally talking about us dollar although there definitely are stable coins pegged to other assets so so picture the case where you're a long time investor in bitcoin or ethereum and the when the when the market gets towards the top of the cycle you take some money off the table you build up some cash and that's sort of a contrarian investment strategy, which is something I try to follow to an extent. I'm not a major trader, but the idea is you raise um, cash so that when the market does have these extended bear markets, which Bitcoin is known to have and crypto is known to have one, like year long or, or longer bear markets. The idea is you have these stables and you can either pay your bills or you can go shopping for discounted investments. And so a stable coin losing its peg means that you have an asset that's supposed to be worth $1, but you might um, load up the, the decentralized application and see that it's actually worth a penny. Um, that, that's what happened with the um, essentially uh, Iron Bank, the one that Mark Cuban got into. Mm. It just totally crashed down to zero, zero value. Um, and then you, just, you effectively right? lose your money. I see. Yeah, that's, that's not going to get us our Lamborghinis, so... Um... So I guess um, you guys talked a lot about the lending and, and some of those kind of more traditional ones, but we are seeing like kind of a craze with, you know, you mentioned Olympus. Um, there's obviously uh, Wonderland time that's out there that pays you in memo. You have some other protocols out there. I think the new one is called Snowbank, which is just like, you know, they're just ripping each other off and forking, you know, one project to the next. And I think the attraction there is like, thousands of percent uh, of, of APYs. I have a conversation with Yudu, I think once a week where he walks me off the ledge uh, and convinces me not to, not to actually invest in something like that. I'm just curious, kind of Andy, what your thoughts are on uh, uh, 89 million uh, percent APY on some of these uh, newer protocols. Yeah, it's an absolutely great question. And 
yeah, because it it it, um, it demands attention to figure out like what are they talking about? This is a ridiculous uh, rate of return. And the key the key thing to understand is that is that that return is denominated in the native token of that protocol. So with Olympus DAO, that APY is in Ohm. So you stake Ohm and you earn Ohm at that rate. And Ohm is backed but not pegged by stablecoin assets. And now they're they're um, introducing this, or they from the start they had this protocol owned liquidity idea where they own their own liquidity pool tokens. And now they have Olympus Pro, so they're actually um, they're they're um, allowing other protocols to sell their native tokens to Olympus, and then Olympus holds the um, the liquidity pool tokens for these other projects as well. So it, there are some like real assets in the protocol backing it up, but it's it's like um, it's a, it's a relatively small fraction of the value of an ohm. It could actually be redeemed for these treasury assets. And I've watched interviews with the developer of Olympus and his main, uh, his main point is that the explanation for the rest of the value is monetary premium. And the problem with that is like maybe Olympus Dow could pull this off. Um, Bitcoin itself has monetary premium. Um, that's because Bitcoin doesn't do a whole lot other than just exist as money. It's almost entirely monetary premium. But the thing about that is like there essentially can only be one or a small few that actually have that monetary premium. And every time you have a fork, um, just it's a great uh, analog really to look at Bitcoin, because if you look at all the forks of Bitcoin, the original Bitcoin is the only one that really retained the monetary premium. Right. And with Olympus, you have all these forks, and there's no way that every single Olympus fork is going to have monetary premium. So I think that they're really just kind of a game of musical chairs. Um, like I said, Olympus DAO and the idea of it, maybe not Olympus, but one of these could potentially go somewhere and actually become a decentralized um, stable coin that's not pegged to the US dollar. And by the way, I, there's a lot of things I like about Olympus and the idea of having a stable coin that's not pegged to the dollar, I think, is enlightened because the U.S. dollar is not a stable coin. The, US, right. the, the supply of the USD is uncapped and we've minted five trillion within the span of a year and we're not stopping or slowing down. So really, if we're looking at stability is really stability of purchasing power. And I think the U.S. dollar, like if you look at U.S. dollar, um, the big news right now is inflation. And all that is, is, is it's the erosion of purchasing power. And that's what really matters in terms of economics. Um, so basically, long story short, Olympus DAO has some really good ideas built into it. The protocol alone owned liquidity is a great idea. Um, Olympus Pro is a good idea. It's just the monetary premium cannot hold for every single fork. There's just no way. Yeah, you've convinced me, man. I'm, I'm back in, Yidu. You're you got a long week ahead of you talking <laughs> me off the talking me off. Um, I, I think the craziest thing about all of these forks is that like there's just mushrooming like every single day, like across the chains, right? Like just yesterday you mentioned Snowbank, um, which to my opinion is already like you know, it's like a thing from the past because just yesterday um there's another fork uh called Snow Dog, which was created by the same group of folks from Snowbank, um, except that you know they are trying to create um, this 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 new protocol, which is kind of like the, this meme coin on the Avalanche chain, and it's it's using the similar mechanism, um, the tokenomics for, from Snowbank and OHM, uh, Olympus now, etc. But except that there's like a buyback by the treasury at the end of I think I guess like a seven day period. Um, and at, at the end, you know, you, you will have like these coins being minted um, and, and all of those circulating coins will become the meme coin, meme coin uh, du jour on Avalanche. So it's, it's just crazy the, the speed of development that's going on in DeFi 2.0 and the way these new protocols are coming out every single day. Uh, I, sometimes I feel a little bit dizzy, but just by looking across all of these chains or these protocols, um, but yeah, I mean, definitely would happy be happy to learn more about them as we go. 
Yeah, I think the, the thing that I'm really going to be interested in is like, you know, depending on how this bull run goes, if it, you know, it's a blow off top or, you know, if, you know, it, it's, it's getting more and more difficult to kind of really believe that there will be a blow off top. But I, I think a lot of money is going to stay in crypto this time. Um, but I guess you never know. And, and depending on how long it takes uh, to kind of get back to bear, um, what I'm really interested in, you know, when we, when we talk about some of these Olympus forks is if the, if the overall pegged value of, you know, Ohm or Time or some of these other, um, you know, kind of uh, internal coins on, on those chains, those tokens, if the value of them goes down, which obviously that's what happens in a bear market, values go down, will that move the APY in one direction or another, right? So will there actually be a, a requisite kind of flip for value for staking on those, um, on those protocols? And uh, I, I'm really fascinated to see how liquidity is going to end up um, and if they'll be able to, to reward at that value or if APYs will go down with, with, the, um, with the value of the um, of those tokens as well. So interesting stuff uh, to keep our eyes out for. Um, I'm curious to know um, and kind of just to switch gears a little bit, um, is this NFT uh, nuclear holocaust ever going to end? And where should I be putting my, uh, you know, gas fees into next? I'm just curious. You do. You got any uh, pointers for me on this one? Yeah, I think we are, uh, granted, we're still in this mini uh, NFT bear market. Uh, part of that has been driven by um, kind of the, the soaring price of Ethereum. You know, even it has been going on this past week. Uh, but because the price of ETH has been going up for a long time and that kind of suppressed um, the the cost, uh, the price of the the, the, the Ethereum-based NFT projects, um, because I think many of the, the the NFT projects on the ETH network are being priced in USD, in my opinion. So that's the cause of that crash we're seeing. Uh, how long this will last, I don't know. I, I feel like this just could, could dip even further. Um, we're heading to Q1. You know, we're heading to tax season. People are going to try to get liquidity to pay for taxes on their, I don't know, million dollar gains of the previous year. And they're going to try to find ways to do that, right? NFT could be one potential option to to get that liquidity from, uh, which means we could further see some uh, further drop uh, in the pro in the in these projects. Um, I'm not too concerned with the kind of the top NFT projects like CryptoPunks or Board Apes, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, but for the kind of secondary or even tertiary projects, they're going to have a hard time, you know, going through this winter. What do you think, Andy? Yeah. The, the GUI right now, by the way, before Andy answers, is, is under 100 for the first time I've ever seen. Um, so that's really, really fascinating. Although Uniswap in the last three hours has paid uh, over a million dollars in uh, in fees. So, yeah. Sorry, Andy. <laughs> Let me go make some transactions real quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, NFT market. Um, yeah, NFTs are sort of, uh, I, I see it as like um, analogous to the collectible art market. And then we have to keep in mind also that NFTs go way beyond just NFT artwork. But what I, my observation is basically that um, NFTs got hyped and it, uh, let me back up just a second. I it's kind of what I'm seeing from a really big picture with crypto markets is an evolution from having a like Bitcoin bubble after a Bitcoin bubble, um, and just a crypto bubble after a crypto bubble to having bubbles within the crypto market. So certain asset classes within crypto will bubble and then go down. And I think NFTs are certainly very obviously to me something that got extremely hyped especially what like we had the snl skits about it it like permeates um i was in the car with my wife like a, a couple days ago and turned on the radio we were going through the channels and like npr was just talking about nfts and they said the word metamask i didn't listen it was just part of it but i thought oh my god if if they're talking about metamask on npr um crypto is starting to actually like really perme permeate culture um, extensively 
And I think NFTs are something that everyday people who are not into finance and who are not into cryptography and programming, they, they don't really understand something like Bitcoin, but they can definitely understand a collectible piece of art or like a collectible thing. And also like the, the cultural um, significance behind it. So basically, I think it's just going through a hype cycle. I think NFTs are definitely, NFTs are absolutely here to stay. NFT artwork and collectibles are here to stay as well. Um, I totally agree. Like, um, uh, there, there's a gentleman I follow, DC Investor on Twitter, and he has some of the best things to say, I think, about investing in NFTs, um, which is basically like you want to really go for the high quality projects, the the tier A class um, projects and avoid the, like the copycats and the clones because those are not going to have sustaining cultural relevance. So over a long time period, those probably won't hold value. So I think like that's kind of probably what we're seeing right now is there's a lot of junk out there and it's, it's like uh, that, that investment saying where like when the tide goes out, you see, you see who's not wear, wearing a bathing suit. So you can kind of see like which, NFT projects were just like designed to be flipped quickly and not actually to stay around. I feel personally attacked by that last saying. Um, no judgments here on the new kids on the block pocket. And no, I'm kidding. Um, where were you two weeks ago, man, where I needed you? You know, God damn it. Um, yeah, I've, I've been involved in some interesting ones, uh, chasing the wave and trying to mint and doing that fun stuff. And uh, I hate my life a little bit now, but it's all good. Um, I think... There's some interesting projects out there. Um, there was one that I heard about today that's called um, RatDAO. Um, and they're actually going to be forming a, a DAO, um, where, whereas if you purchase an NFT, the NFT actually is going to become, uh, you know, the funds from it will, will, have a, will go to a central, um, you know, treasury for the DAO. And then the DAO will actually purchase actual art and they will transpose a one-of-one one NFT for that actual art um, that um, that you will own, um, along with kind of that uh, you know the physical art that they that they're going to purchase as the DAO. And then from there, um, you'll be able to go and visit that DAO. Uh, I'm sorry, that uh, that piece of art in the metaverse, which is a really fascinating kind of project. But I feel like I'm getting rugged by all of these different projects every week. You know, I, I hear something really cool about that. Um, you have an influencer on TikTok or someone that that promotes it, and then I go and check their Twitter, and they have 500 followers. So I'm not getting fooled again. You interesting. interesting <laughs> Welcome to the life of a, a, a kind of a fake NFT collector like myself. So that's pretty much me every day. So yeah, that sounds about right. Um, speaking of DAOs, I think you do. You got involved into in a in a pretty interesting DAO. You want to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, yeah. So I have some some news just, you know, fresh off the, the press and looks like I, I so here's the backstory, right? So I got into this Constitution DAO um, contribution saga yesterday. And so for those who are, who are not aware, uh, Constitution DAO is a is a DAO um, that's trying to buy a rare copy of a rare written copy of the U.S. Constitution. And um, it was being auctioned uh, on, I believe it was on Sotheby's today. And just about 20 minutes ago, um, <laughs> the, um, the the auction completed and apparently they failed to buy, they failed to win a bid. Basically, they raised like $40 million, but for some reason, I don't have a rating to yet, but they weren't able to successfully win the bid. Um, but that's was besides the point. By Nicolas Cage? Was it <laughs> yes, that would be that would be quite some plot twist. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, basically the idea. I mean, I, I even if they didn't win it, I still like the idea of like a DAO being able to like autonomous autonomously trying to make a bid on one of probably the rarest rarest item in the history of the U.S. and um, you know, personally, like if you were involved yesterday, if you contributed um, any amount of Ethereum, you get like a, they call it like people tokens back. And you can theoretically, if, had they won this this uh, this bid, you would have been able to to use those tokens to, to govern their um, next steps, whether it's like exhibiting or even selling it if they want to. 
But um, yeah, I mean, again, the idea is to to give people literally give people the power uh, to do what they want, which is a great yeah, idea. I think that that segues pretty nicely into Andy. I mean, what are your thoughts about DAOs? You have any interest in DAOs potentially? <laughs> oh yeah, um, yeah. One thing um, you know, talking about NFTs and and DAOs is Squid DAO um, was an Olympus is an Olympus fork which um, I, when I looked into it, I was little pleasantly surprised by this idea of, um, I don't know if they in, like invented this idea or where exactly it came from, but I think it's a relatively new idea to actually um, have NFTs. So SquidDAO commissions artists to create the artwork and then SquidDAO auctions the NFTs to, to the public essentially. And this, the proceeds from those sales actually go into the treasury of the squid DAO. So it's like a fundraising mechanism, which I think is really cool. And then they, they also um, attach voting rights to the NFTs. And I think that's like, that, that idea really resonates with me. Um, the idea that like you can be involved in a community and you can get an NFT for a certain thing. So I don't know if you want me to talk about the brisket DAO at all, but like I that's would, thing, um, I would, yeah. sure. <laughs> Please do. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, um, brisket rib is an investment community. Um, it essentially, um, started out when I decided, so just for a little bit of background, um, I worked in software engineering for 15 plus years and saved and invested over many years. Like crypto is just one investment. I'm into real estate and stocks and everything else. And I, I just had enough of um, salary work. So I started this Telegram group and and that's sort of been evolving. And, and the idea now is like to really, to um, double down on that idea and to grow a community, um, essentially scale up what we're doing and yeah, the, the the this the brisket the brisket DAO is a, about um, an investment community. So the idea is, we're a group of people who are seeking out crypto investments because it's hard to research crypto. So it, it's really helpful to have a group of like-minded people like bouncing ideas around and helping with due diligence and things like that. Um, so brisket DAO, like that's that's the main thing is the investment community, and then the DAO itself is one hundred percent an experiment. Um, it, the initial version one of it existed on the XDAI chain. It was based on, um, DAO kit. And I did not like the constraints of having a structured DAO where I couldn't, um, you know, manipulate all of the code involved. So brisket rib DAO 2.0 is, um, custom solidity and there's a B rib token and um, just today, I minted the first, the Risket Rib Genesis NFT. And so that NFT, wow. um, I currently have possession of it, but it's going to go into the Brisket Rib um, uh, treasury. And that's essentially never going to be sold. It's, it'll just be this NFT that's like, kind of like the constitution it's like unobtainable like maybe it could get stolen <laughs> or like it, it'll be like this that kind of thing and then um is it one one week i've been what's that is, is it one oh, of yeah, one, one of, copy one. oh wow it's the first one and there's only one of them um yeah and it'll just be in the treasury and maybe the dao could do something with it down the road um and then over the past week i've been minting uh not minting i've been commissioning artwork for for several different series of nfts so for example we do we do a live stream i do a youtube channel and we we also do a live stream and so people are encouraged to participate in the live stream and those who participate in the live stream will get an nft that is a brisket rib streamer nft right so for different types of participation in the community um, there are different types of NFTs that will be rewarded. And I really like that idea from SquidDAO that these NFTs could actually have, have um, actual attributes that, give, that grant different powers within the DAO itself. Utility, right? And then, yeah. um, 
Yeah. So, so the other really big key point about it is um, it's not a company and participation in that DAO is not a job. And that's really important to me. And um, when I was researching Ave version three, they're actually, they actually didn't finance the development of Ave version three. Um, people developed it and they're actually retroactively rewarding the developers. And I, I really love that concept. Like there's all this, um, all these innovative ideas that, that crypto enables. And I'm kind of like taking that idea from squid DAO with the NFTs that actually have power within the DAO. And then the retroactive, um, rewards from Ave version three. So that's kind of like the rough idea of it. And, um, Along the no expectations line, it is totally an experiment. Um, I've got solidity contracts for it. Um, I've actually been working the past couple of days on on um, deployment deployment to Avalanche. Um, like I said, the first one was on XDAI, and it's really hard right now to pick a chain to actually deploy on. Um, but is that's it because of the conversation. Is, is that because of the different language? Uh, if it's not like EVM compatible, you have to rewrite everything from scratch. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I'm, I kind of default to EVM compatible. I am extremely interested in non-EVM smart contract engines, like mm -hmm. um, like um, the, the WebAssembly that Solana uses and Phantom VM and different chains have different non-Ethereum VMs. And we really need one that doesn't have a complete shared global state because that is the whole reason, that's the reason that any... Um, any EVM compatible chain is essentially going to run into the same problem we saw on Polygon, Binance, Phantom, Avalanche, probably Avalanche C chain. See, that's right. People look at things like Phantom and they look at Avalanche and they just treat it as like Phantom or Avalanche. But really, Phantom Opera is the EVM compatible um, uh, network that's running on top of Phantom Lachesis, that's the lower layer which the lower layer does scale the the um phantom opera has the same scaling constraints that um geth has because it's running the right. literal literally the same code um so yeah it, it like i do in an ideal world i would deploy to ethereum but it's it's especially if you're minting nfts and you're deploying contracts like it gets crazy <laughs> expensive yeah gas is over 100 now again by the way i just wanted to update you oh, guys. great yeah, so <laughs> Um, so, so, uh, I mean, Andy, how, how do, how do people get involved in, in the DAO? Is it, is it kind of like, do you have like a vetting process? Do you need like some blood? How does that, how does that work out if people want to get involved in blood sacrifice? Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that's a really great question. And initially the, the entire community was just telegram and now it's branched out onto you. So it's primarily YouTube and telegram, but the, the, one of the, great ideas about a DAO is that it exists on a decentralized, immutable, uncensorable blockchain. And it, it's a risk for anybody to try to build a, um, build a brand on top of somebody else's platform, whether that's YouTube or Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or whatever. It's a risk because you can be removed from the platform for, for unknown reasons a lot of times, and that can completely destroy your entire community. So one of the b best things about having a DAO is it's separate from that. Um, but to answer your question, the community started out on Telegram, and some of the earlier Telegram users um, were just, you know, they, they got airdropped BRIB tokens um, for being there. And I do plan to um, reward anybody who's, because it is a paid group, anybody who's actually paying in there, I do plan to actually, you know, reciprocate because they've showed that they're willing to put down and support the community. I'm willing to reciprocate that. And then um, going back to the streamer NFT, not that I want to encourage the, like, because you can't have like a thousand people on a stream, but it's the same, that idea applied to multiple different types of contributions. So like um, if, if you discover, if you brought to to the attention of the group a new project that we we actually liked and invested in, then that would definitely definitely be worthy of a retroactive reward from the DAO. So the way that you get involved is simply by speculatively participating in the community and essentially hoping that the DAO rewards you with 
with um, with the NFTs and the BRIB token. And right now, that's just that's essentially um, you know a very small group of people. Mm-hmm. But long run, ideally, it's a fully decentralized DAO um, that runs itself. Yeah, sounds really exciting, and uh, you know I'll, I'll be. Uh... Uh, trying to check some of that stuff out myself uh, and supporting uh, supporting you as you you obviously are supporting us on uh, on the pod. So um, that's really great stuff. And congratulations on that that first mint. Thanks. And I, I yeah, just want to get some rip tokens. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, I just wanted to mention that one. Also, um, one of the really core ideas for me personally and for this community is is to encourage people to. The ideal outcome of this would not be that B-Rib, the, the brisket rib DAO gets big and takes over the world. The ideal outcome is that is that the people who are involved um, essentially build wealth and gain more financial freedom and come up with their own ideas and go out and build their own build their own DeFi projects or maybe make their own companies or or just do whatever, like do their own thing and that the, the B-Rib community would sort of have a real networking effect where we would invest in each other's projects and, and support each other like that, even though it's not all under the same umbrella. Absolutely. You are my hero. So I just, I uh, know we just met, but uh, I am very easily influenced. So I appreciate, uh, appreciate that. So it sounds really exciting. I mean, you know, coming from a software engineering background myself and working in uh, uh, distributed computing um, and, you know, real time types of systems. Um, you know, I think everyone kind of goes down that journey. Um, myself personally, am kind of a private investor, invested in real estate, stocks, crypto as well, trying to diversify my bonds and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, it, eventually, I think a lot of people that are getting into this space or, you know, they, they have a love for the technology, but the average person is interested in that type of freedom, right? I think that's kind of like, you know, the American dream 2.0. Um, it's not necessarily, you know, the opportunity. It's it's the opportunity to, to work and to live in an environment that actually rewards you for going outside of the social norms, right? And being able to provide for your family and do the things that you actually care about doing in life, not, not trapped by the actual social constraints that come with the W2 and, and all that great stuff. So I think it's a, I think it's a great, uh, really great uh, thing that you're doing there. And um, I'll be interested to, uh, to check that out as we go along. Um, yeah. Thank you. And also it, it's good to mention that like DAO participate, not my DA or not brisket DAO, but um, DAOs out there have, positions up to and including full-time positions like inverse dao has uh like actual job listings and the dao hires full-time employees essentially absolutely i'm i'm actually involved in a i'm actually a a social marketing manager for one of the um what we call awsb on daos it's also like a similar concept right it's like investments or venture capital DAO. So yeah, definitely a lot of opportunities out there. If you're into uh, DAOs or investing or crypto in general, a lot of you know full-time opportunities out there. Yeah, and if anyone wants to cut the cord, um, also YouTube TV is really good. I know that's not related to what we're talking about, but you know, get get out of those social constructs um, and uh, you know move to a more decentralized life. That's what I'd like to say. So. Yeah, yeah, I think that like, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 uh, go ahead, wrap, yeah, go ahead, continue. Yeah, I, I think that people like really have this idea that crypto is is all like, it's essentially a big casino. <laughs> and in a lot of ways it is just a big casino, but there is some real substance there. And I think maybe a lot of people don't fully understand just how real it is. That these, like, we could be heading into a future where it's more normal to work for a DAO than it is to work for a C-Corp. Yeah, I think we're seeing that a lot nowadays um, where companies are hiring folks just for knowledge of crypto, right? Because it is becoming ubiquitous, right? And, um, you know, that, that not only is the technology not going away, but the, the social implications um, aren't going away. You see, um, you know, the, the Winklevoss twins out there that own Gemini just recently raised 400 million for their metaverse project. 
Um, you're seeing, you know, Facebook changing their name to Meta. You're seeing like really, really mainstream things. You mentioned NPR talking about NFTs and MetaMask. I mean, it's pervasive in our in our culture, um, and I think a lot of people are still kind of scared um, to to jump in. But um, you know, as as the expansion of NFTs, um, you know, play play to earn gaming. I mean, all of these things kind of penetrate our day to day lives. And they will just bring people around, I think. So um, we're going to see it, um, the kind of this evolution in culture as we, you know, and I think a lot of it's been ex exacerbated by the fact of the, you know, the pandemic and life has been a, a very, um, you know, decentralized, it's been kind of decentralized, uh, if we put it right, there's been less, uh, less and less social interactions and more and more kind of web interactions and things like that. And I think technology is kind of moving with that. And, and with that, sometimes, you know, social indicators are a little bit of laggards, but yeah, I agree with you. I think, I think it's coming and it's, it's exciting. Um, so we've been going for about an hour. I think maybe it's a good time to just do kind of a quick last coda on the episode for tonight. Um, and just talk about um, some bold predictions for this cycle. Um, Andy, you know, as our esteemed guest, uh, we'll give you the opportunity to go first. Uh, what's some of your bold predictions? Sure. For the, for, uh, just for this cycle, if we're not going into a bear market, then I think that, um, 10 trillion Bitcoin market cap is totally, totally doable for this cycle. Um, wow. That's crazy. <laughs> that is bold, man. You went bold. That's is it? That's only five x. That's like less than five x. The, the gold. Right? I think or, the gold gold um market cap is eleven trillion. They're saying that uh, Bitcoin will be closing in on gold this year. This in this cycle. Yeah, yeah, and the thing is, like it. The thing about this cycle is, we this is the pandemic cycle. This one's special. This one, uh, that's that's always a top indicator. This time it's different, but. <laughs> Empirically speaking, the last couple of years have been extremely different economically, just straight up. Um, the amount of money that's been printed and the amount of like we're essentially in a, a type of recession. right? I think we're technically out of recession, but people's purchasing uh, power is going down and the supply of fiat currencies is going up fast, like so fast. Um, it's a, um, a step function. Like it's always been exponential, but the past year has been a step function. Um, so the, it's different. It is different this time. And I think 10 trillion, 10 trillion is no longer a big number. Yeah, I think the market cap uh, when uh, I guess the last high of, of Bitcoin and Ethereum, which was, I think, a couple of weeks back at around three trillion. So we're going to need we need some juice to come into the market for that. But that's that's bold. I like that. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, Andy. Um, you do bold prediction, man. Hit me. Sure. Yeah, I, I may not be as bold <laughs> as as Andy uh, for 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 this particular part. Um, I guess I'll just stick with my my. Uh, I'm gonna put my Avalanche Maxi hat on for a second and say Avalanche is gonna flip Sonana uh, in terms of TBL by the end of the year. Uh, sorry, end of this cycle. Okay, yeah, that was that didn't excite me as much, but I mean. That's, that's <laughs> Oh, one, hey, but for what it's worth, I think we have a title for this episode, Pody. Uh, yeah, yeah, that'll get some clicks. I'll tell you, that'll get some clicks. Um, my bold prediction for this cycle is that, um, and this will not surprise you at all, but um, meme coins are here to stay, um, and they will perpetuate throughout the bear cycle as well. So, um. You know, I, I think the 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 kind of the phrase or or you know, cryptocurrency is a, is a casino, is like so apt because, um, you know, there's there's literally a, a new type of meme coin that comes out every single day. They pump um in various Discord channels where we just talk about which one is pumping, and a lot of them have these Ponzi-nomics and. Um, you know, people are really fascinated with this kind of social phenomenon. And I think that we are going to see a bunch of new meme coins that are going to join the top 
uh, the, the top 50 um, total value. Um, so keep an eye out for that one. That's that's maybe not too bold, but I really see um, some of the other coins out there. Maybe they won't break the top 10 like Doge and Shiba, but I think we're going to see some other ones that, that are going to pop up there in the top 50. And, um, you know, there's bags to be made. You do. You wow, that's 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 pretty bold, bold as well. I think, um, yeah, I, I can't imagine like another dot coin entering. I don't know, ten billion market cap. But um, yeah, kudos to you for believing that, Fody. Well, you know, it's my money to lose, I guess. So you know, don't judge me. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, listen, guys, I think this has been great. Um, you know, really great opportunity, uh, Andy. Can you let the folks out there know where they can where they can check out your content, how they can interact with you, um, and just generally kind of keep up with uh, with what you're doing with with uh, Brisket? Sure. The website is brisket.lol, and the the YouTube channel is Brisket Rib, and we're also on Twitter.com/slash/briskett.r, and those are the those are the main um, entry points. Awesome. We'll, we'll throw those in the show notes um, so people can show some love um, to the to the brisket rib fam. I know we, uh, me and you do really appreciate it. Um, you do anything in, in closing? No, just again, really appreciate uh, Andy for jumping on and really enjoyed the chat with you and looking forward to everything you do in brisket DAO and everything else in crypto. Yeah, likewise. Appreciate it, everyone. Thank you so much. Again, my intro, for, if, if anyone is still listening, was, of course, um, you know, from Toy Story. Um, and we had Andy on the show, and I thought it would be cute and funny. So, uh, you know, I ruined the joke, but there it is. Um, thanks, thanks everyone, for uh, joining us uh, for this episode of New Kids on the Block. Uh, if anything happens monumental, we will record again. But if not, we'll, uh, we'll catch you guys again next week. Thanks a lot. All right. See you guys. Take care. Bye. On the street, you found someone. I guess now it goes to dawn.